to What's The Schemata, a, a, a podcast specifically for schema therapy practitioners and people that want to learn about schema therapy. Yeah, those interested in schema therapy. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So we sort of dreamed up, um, you know, uh, having a series of podcasts, hopefully, you know, relatively frequently coming out. We can talk about issues to do with schema therapy practice. Um, and sort of connect more to the community and, and have a bit of a discussion. So uh, my name's Chris Hayes. I'm a clinical psychologist in uh, Perth in, in Western Australia, um, and I'm an accredited schema therapist. And with me is... Uh, Rob Rockman uh, from Sydney, Australia, uh, the other side of Australia for, yeah. from, from Chris, interestingly. Yeah, we are um, doing this um, remotely. So we're on the other side of the country doing this and it's, um, it's, a, it's a new way of, of uh, getting together. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I too am a sort of schema therapy devotee, um, you know, schema therapist, supervisor, trainer. Um, so we thought it might be a cool thing to just start this you know, process of um, meeting, you know, relatively frequently, and maybe having others come come on board, you know, to talk about issues issues to do with schema therapy and, and applying the therapy in practice. So, in preparation today, we were thinking about what sort of things would people be interested in um, around schema therapy, and we both thought that the idea of dealing with anger is often a problem um, for clients, for therapists, and it's often misinterpreted. Um, I don't know about you, Rob, but um, some of my uh, supervisees and people that I train with often, you know, might mis kind of characterize schema modes and, you know, kind of think anger is bad and everything is angry child mode and, and this sort of stuff or bullying attack. What, what's your take? Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's a good topic for our first run at um, doing a podcast and focus on schema. Um, I think we could do one f- across the modes actually that, you know, there, there are those modes that get to all of us in different ways, you know. So uh, one, one of our colleagues in Sydney, Andrew Phipps, talks about, um, uh, you know, therapists all having their kind of kryptonite, you know, yeah. and, and, and meaning that, that there are those patients, you know, who will get to, who will get to us, you know, and, and that can be different. That the kind of patients that will trigger off my schemas are going to be different from the ones that might trigger off your schemas and whatnot. So, and I think anger is, is a good example of that. There are definitely those people, those, those therapists for whom ang- anger and having anger in the room is, is a very diff- difficult place to be. So today we have um, a, a focus today on working with anger in, uh, in, in schema therapy. And um, we're going to have a bit of a theme of this in this um, this chat around anger, and we're going to be maybe using the idea of um, anger in tennis. You know, John McEnroe, um, he was uh, known as a super brat for a, a long period of time. Maybe he's a bit, you know, sort of um, in a different place now. But look, we're just let's have a, let's have have a listen, listen to this, and and we, maybe we can have a bit of a chat about what what mode we think that might be. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, me. The ball just came up all over the floor. It was, it was a bit of a spread, Mr. McEnroe. That was a good call. Excuse me? That was a bit of a spread. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Okay. Right. You cannot be serious, Rob. You cannot be serious. Okay, so... <laughs> I think so you look, left out a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it might have uh, it might have yeah. got a little bit um, expletive driven yeah. up to that point. 
but yeah, look, I mean, what, what do you make of that? What, well, what you-, you know, me, Chris and I, we, we were talking about this and, you know, trying to figure out off a sort of three or four second clip, it can be tricky, but um, there's a couple of things going on. One is there is a bit of a feeling there of a lack of control coming up. So I wonder about whether, whether his move into an angry space is because, because um, of, of the sense that his regular form of coping might be getting blocked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked about, I imagine that for an elite athlete like that, being perfect and in control of his shots and all that sort of thing is a really big uh, part, of the, part of his game and part of the, the kind of mode he needs to get into yeah. uh, to perform. Now, you know, uh, having a shot miss out by, by inches, millimetres and whatnot, uh, it may be that he's starting to get blocked from his, from his coping mode, which, which might suggest that he needs to win, you know, that he should always win. That kind of thing. The other thing I thought, you know, as well, is it, it's another, I guess, in terms of control is the sense of justice. So, yeah. you know, um, I think with any, you know, any, any, any young child, it's not fair. He's getting more than me, this sort of sense. Yeah, and, and that's like, where yeah. it goes, doesn't it? Once, once he, something doesn't go his way, it starts to become quite childlike. Yeah. So we, I mean, when we were talking and, and thinking about this, this little clip of McEnroe, I mean, uh, one idea is that, yeah, he, he's feeling vulnerable and therefore he's flipping into an angry child's space. Yeah. And as a result, you know, that could be driven by feeling, you know, sort of a, a, sec, a sense of um, not feeling in control and feeling scared on one side, mm. but then also a sense of injustice that he's not getting the call right, you know? Yeah. This, the second idea, I mean, we were both talking about as well, was this idea, could this just be sort of more of a, an overcompensative, angry, yeah. angry kind of maybe a grand part of the aggrandizer or something? And, you know, so that's, that could be another kind of, you know, part. Yeah, we were thinking about that, but it's a bit tricky off sort of three or four seconds. But I think our consensus was that the sort of loss of control, a complete, it sort of started feeling quite childlike. Maybe right now, why don't we just have a bit of a, a you know a read of the mode observations card? Now, this comes from the the manual that came from uh, the schema mode inventory. It's available and often used in the workshops. Angry child feels and expresses uncontrolled anger or rage in response to perceived or real mistreatment, abandonment, humiliation, or frustration. Often feels a sense of feeling um, being treated unjustly acts like possibly like a child throwing a temper tantrum. Okay, so, yeah. And that's uh, kind of, with the, with the tennis, it's, um, it's prototypical that the rackets cop it, that there's so much anger and it just kind of needs to come out and they'll often abuse their rackets, like smash their rackets on the ground. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that it's just externalizing, you know, this idea that, you know, from this manual is also going on to say the angry child um, serves the purpose of ventilating anger about perceived injustice. Okay, so when we're looking at that clip, he's, he is clearly kind of ventilating anger around that. It goes on to say, whereas the bullying attack serves to make a distance from others. Sorry, let me say that again. Okay. The angry child serves the purpose of ventilating anger uh, around a perceived injustice, whereas the angry protector serves to make a distance from other people. Okay, so we weren't, you know, like get away from me, ump. In, cross yeah. the, in contrast, the bullying attack mode, in contrast to the bullying attack mode, the angry child um, 
does not attempt to uh, attempt to threaten or intimidate. Okay, so I think you know I'm wondering whether you know it's, it's not that easy sometimes from a three 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 second clip, mm. but yeah, what do you what do you make from that? Yeah, I mean, I the more we read into that, that sort of really does feel along the lines of an angry child, and it, and it just does feel like a kind of tantrum, and it has those those kind of aspects of um, like a loss of control, but but also um, the sense of injustice and that you can you can feel the scheme is coming, starting to come through. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it, it kind of goes on to you know keeping the tennis theme. Um, actually, having a bit of a chat about Roger Federer. Now, you know, in sort of preparing for this workshop, in preparing, it's okay. This is funny. We're going to be editing the crap out of this. In preparing for this um, podcast, I was doing a bit of a research, you know, around um, tennis players. And, and Roger. Sounds like Federer you've been uh, looking at tennis up. for the last two weeks. Well, so. you know, possibly. And, and I didn't realize, like, you look at someone like Federer, he's calm, he's collected, he's got it all together, he's, he's very genteel, he's a very sportsmanlike. Yeah. But, you know, looking at some interviews with his parents and a little bit of documentary footage that I sort of found on YouTube. It, it really looked like, you know, when he was around 16 to 19, he had a massive problem with, yeah. with having meltdowns on courts. How interesting. Um, from, you know, throwing tennis rackets, having massive tantrums. You would never have think that. You never have thought that. at him now. And before his frontal lobes had developed, obviously. Well, you know, what happened as well, it, it seemingly from interview that I sort of was reading, you know, along the same lines was, you know, that – he his parents were starting to kind of get quite disapproving, and he had a really you know massive figure in his life. He had a a coach that was um, working with him for you know all through his teens, who who died in a car accident. Um, and I think that kind of you know from you know reading some interview for, you know material, you know that was a part where he sort of sort of said, "I've got to get on top of this. I've got to deal with this." So it's just interesting in terms of you mm-hmm. know the, you know that we do have. You know, these angry states, mm, angry mm. child. We all do have angry child, you know, states, um, yeah. you know, and we learn how to, um, you know, manage manage these, particularly in kind of yeah. high-performance situations. Well, we sort of, um, something we, that we were talking about before a little bit was so, something from the contextual psychology or the, sorry, the contextual schema therapy book, um, which is thinking about two poles of human organisation. Um, there's a table in that book on yeah, page, really on like page this. seven. This is fantastic, yeah. And it just sort of talks about the importance of balancing out your, your assertiveness leg versus your attachment leg in terms of, in terms of your needs. And so yeah. what that means is that we're motivated um, on one hand to get our needs met in terms of attaching to other people, right? Yeah. It's more yeah. pro-social kind of needs. Yeah. Uh, and on the other hand, um, we have to balance that with um, looking after ourselves and getting our own needs met for, you know, things like autonomy, sense of control, um, and asserting ourselves, you know, being a self. So, but that that does mean sort of a, a sort of balancing act, and and uh, being able to to be driven by at different times, you know, our behaviour as, as being about um, keeping relationships intact, which might mean things like you know surrendering at times or mm. even avoiding certain. You know, expressing certain emotions if it's going to hurt other people, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at other times, um, there may be a need to um, to put those things aside and to be more direct uh, in our needs and assertive uh, and even aggressive at times. Um, 
Yeah. And so, you know, there's this idea that they're sort of normal. Now, um, if that, that sort of matches up to the vulnerable child and angry child as lying as a sort of motivation, motivating force in one's personality, that the vulnerable child can oftentimes be caught up uh, thinking about um, feeling, um, you know, wanting to get the needs met around attachment. Um, yeah, yeah. And at other times, the, the angry child mode, the schemas are still triggered off, but often concerned with things around um, uh, autonomy and, and even things like abuse and, and whatnot. So yeah. some of the schemas yeah. that lie in and around that. Now, the idea is that, um, that these two sort of um, feelings kind of forces, if you like, underneath provide the impetus and motivation for, uh, for coping. You know, for subsequent coping, and the idea is that that your more avoidant style coping modes, um, and even your more you know surrendering style coping coping uh, mode or even um, styles, might tend to be driven more by the the vulnerable child mode underneath. All right, sort of driven by yeah. the need to connect, if mm-hmm. you like, and, and sort mm-hmm. of keep mm-hmm. relationships intact, uh, versus the angry child. You know, the, the more overcompensated. Uh, type of um, coping as being driven a little bit more by by underneath by anger, yep, yep. Um, by by sort of protesting and and fighting to get your needs met. Um, so that that's kind of interesting if you think about now if you even sort of extrapolate that out to to the healthy adult, um, it's the same thing. You know, there are times when our healthy adult might be might be really informed by our vulnerability. You know, if I see my son is really upset about something and I'll feel that on his behalf. I'll feel a little vulnerable, like seeing him that he's upset. My move into compassion, like a compassionate parent is going to be informed or driven partly by connection to my own feelings of vulnerability. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. Like in terms of the vulnerable um, side of things in terms of connection, because we you know, hear in pop culture, you know, he wasn't, vul- he wasn't vulnerable enough and this sort of sense and, and, and fostering connection. With, with others, but definitely in yeah. terms of the sense of kind of, um, you know, a sense of a- anger, a primal kind of basic level temperament based anger as a way to kind of, you know, sort of get needs met as a child. I mean, like when you don't have, you know, your prefrontal cortex and vocab to be able to, 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 to sort of be able to sort of convey these sorts of needs as, yeah. as a child, you know. I know I can look at my children and I think, you know, you know, particularly when they're pre-verbal, they've got sort of three main kind of ways of being. They're kind of happy child, they're angry child, or they're in kind of a more of a vulnerable child state. So, yeah. yeah. And also um, it's a sort of feature in the environment as to which kind of mode is likely to help them get their needs met. So if they're only punished for showing vulnerability, mm. um, yeah. you know, in one way or another, you yeah. can imagine that um, the child is going to sort of, maybe fall back on other modes, perhaps the angry child yeah. mode. Yeah, it's more socially acceptable to be angry as opposed yeah. to, to to have tears or feel vulnerable. Yeah. Especially for males. I mean, this for can males, be a little yeah. bit of a gendered thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I think one thing that I think is, is helpful to, for, for those who are learning more about skin therapy is that, you know, the vulnerable child and the angry child are very closely linked. Yeah. Know? And often yeah. the sense that, you know, if, if someone is um, feeling outraged, for example, if we go back to the McEnroe idea, mm. you know, he's feeling, you know, outraged and, you know, sort of um, the perceived unfairness of the call, 
Mm. Or, I mean, if I was kind of trying to think of where his vulnerable child would be, it would be a sense of maybe fear and insecurity mm. and, and these sorts of things. Now, this is a key point too, I reckon, because um, a lot of, I mean, when I've treated guys, um, let's, I won't say that like McEnroe, but let's say guys are more along the lines of being overcompensators. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very much in touch with their anger oftentimes yeah. Yeah. and will deny any sort of vulnerability. And one of the things I think is a little bit of a mistake, because um, I've made that mistake actually, uh, I've come to learn that, is that pushing too much for vulnerability in these kind of guys, particularly these kind of overcompensating males with lots of anger, no vulnerability, there's no vulnerability here. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you're too, if you t- push it too much like for, okay, well, there's anger, but where's the vulnerability? Mm. Um, you know, I think you just end up pissing them off more and that they get a sense you're not hearing them. So yeah. what I've found is um, going with where the feelings are mm. is usually a good move. If they're feeling really pissed off, Great. Let's talk about that. I'm sure there's good reasons why you're pissed off. Mm. And going with, with attunement to wherever they're at mm. uh, and exploring the underlying meaning and the feeling, like what it's all about for them and, and spending that time understanding it. And, you know, sometimes that will lead into a bit of the vulnerability underneath that. And that's, that's lovely and that's fine. And especially if it leads to a float back, quite often it will land on, you know, little Johnny feeling, feeling alone or whatever. Um, but regardless, I think we have to keep in mind that, um, you know, the, 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 the purpose of these techniques such as imagery scripting are to provide a corrective emotional experience. And so it's okay if, if all we get to with a technique is an angry child. If we, if we land back on little Johnny and he's really pissed off about what's going on, that's okay. We can still use that for our rescripting because we're still connecting to the EMS. We're still connected to the schema. So regardless of if the, you know, the vulnerable child gets expressed, I still think it can be very therapeutic. Um, and it's pretty cool too if you do get to the vulnerability. But what I'm kind of saying is we don't need to sort of push for it so much at times. That's, that's what I found. I mean, sometimes you can mow things out though, can't we? We can kind of like suggest stuff, you know, if the person feels safe enough to discuss, you know, these sort of more vulnerable feelings underneath, that's um, helpful too and to give them an opportunity. To explore. Yeah, explore, yeah. you know, and maybe the possibility that, yeah, could it be that you're feeling upset because about that point call that back back before because maybe you felt like you 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 could be losing and that was quite a fearful kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. so ex- yeah, exploring you know. it, that's got, yeah. there's room for that, isn't there? Yeah. So, I mean, look, we've talked a bit about uh, Angry Child um, and, you know, I mean, well, I'm just wondering in terms of uh, where – you know, maybe some of the coping modes fit in, mm. you know, obviously we talked a bit, you know, a bit about the idea of maybe. I'd say probably the, the next common one would be like an angry protector. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. That would be pretty common. So, you know, from, uh, from, from the literature, it sounds like, you know, um, and what I sort of suggest to people is, you know, one, one thing to think about in terms of, uh you know the effect of an angry type of protector kind of mode kicking in is 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 is, is the, the the reaction that you feel. Okay, so you know for me when I'm sort of talking to my supervisees is a if you're getting an angry child angry child feeling you're going to feel like you're dealing with a, a person having a, a tantrum if you really kind of just look at the mm. you know the the reaction. But with an angry protector, you're going to feel pushed away. 
backed mm. into a corner. It's like, okay, we don't need to talk about that if you don't need to. Fine. Yeah, okay. it'd be sort of like, oh, touchy subject. Touchy like you subject. Get that feeling, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that, you know, with um, something like the angry uh, protector as well, you know, it, it, it's also going to be about particular types of triggers. You know, anger protector necessarily isn't going to be, you know, bothered by, a, uh, you know, a, uh, a ref decision or, or an injustice. The particular trigger that's going to be the issue mm. is getting close or talking about a motive type Proximity, stuff. Proximity, people getting yeah. in too close, poking around. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe in a session you're saying, you know, hey, how about we doing some imagery? You know, do you want to do mm. the imagery exercise today? Mm. And the client doesn't want to do that. And I'm like, no, thank you. Or if we can talk about your son or if we can talk about. Yeah. I don't something. want to talk about my son. I don't want to talk about my son. You know, this kind of sense of get off my case, leave me alone, back off. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's the sentiment, is it? Leave me alone. It's almost yeah, like that right. little Lucy idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's, I think having to think a bit about the, the, the actual content of what they're saying, leave me alone, back off, the tone and, and the own reactions that you have as a therapist mm. are pretty good kind of ideas. I always yeah. feel when it happens, it's almost a bit like getting a rap on the knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Like you've gone somewhere and you've okay. got a rap on the knuckles. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. okay, let's, let's go another way for a while yeah, <laughs> until I figure this out. So I guess what we've talked about so far, we've talked about the importance of defining, you know, really getting a sense of, of the right mode and understanding that. Um, being aware of our own reactions because that can help us uh, inform our assessment, um, but also it can um, it can also put us off track sometimes. You know, if our own reactions are a little bit um, idiosyncratic, like if I'm the type of person that always feels bullied whenever there's any anger, sometimes our, our own transference can get us off track. So I know that's confusing. You know, sometimes transference mm. is helpful. Sometimes it can get us off track in terms of what the mode yeah. is. So so that's one important point. Um, We had this other point, again, which is fascinating. The point I made was, you know, sometimes you don't want to push too much for the underlying vulnerability because the person just wants to be heard where they're at. And other times, you know, you might want to dig around a little bit and just explore and provide the space because maybe vulnerability will come out. So there's a sort of, again, there's no solid, you know, do this you know, yeah. or do that. But um, these are some things we might want to think about in working with anger. And then what else did we get up to? Well, I'll tell you what, another thing to think about is when we want to push for anger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've, you know, some therapists are uncomfortable with anger, but, you know, there's plenty of situations where I want the client to get angry in a, in a sense of feeling a sense of justice, injustice, to, to well, have a sense of protest. If we come back to this leg thing, this leg idea, yeah. right, between yeah. the attachment leg and the assertiveness leg, right, from, from the contextual schema book, if, if you take that seriously, then, you know, there are definitely people for which are much more driven by the attachment leg and keeping things all stable and not wanting to sort of go into assertiveness um, too, too readily or having that skill. Yeah. Um, in other words, they're not in touch with it, with their angry side so much. Um, and so for some patients, you know, in other words, there is such a thing as healthy adult anger. Yeah. You know, yeah sometimes exactly. being a little bit angry yeah. can help drive us towards assertiveness. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps us to stand up for ourselves and back ourselves. And, you know, so I do a lot of trauma work and, you know, in imagery scripting, I want the person to, you know, 
um, you know, react and ultimately stand up for themselves. If they come across mm. too flat, then often that can be very, un, it's an underwhelming experience. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. pushing for, you know, a sense of, um, um, you know, injustice, pushing. Well, for- that's interesting. And actually, you know, we talk about trying to get anger and maybe at times people trying to flip that into vulnerability, but actually it's the other way oftentimes too, that a, a sign that the, that the rescripting has landed occurs when you see the patient flip into a bit more of an angry state. Yeah, so they might have gone in feeling all vulnerable and then you're like, you're tracking their feelings and what's happening now for you. And they're like, now I'm just feeling pissed off. Yeah. And that's often a good sign. You think, okay, yeah. now we've moved, we've, things have progressed a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, like um, I often will try to get the client to access healthy anger, but I might use chair work for the client to stick up for their vulnerable sides. So I might, you know, imagine there's little you that has had these experiences. I want you now to sit in the healthy part of you, sit up straight and imagine that dad's across from you and he's saying these things. Mm. You know, is there a part of you that feels irritated? Is there a part of you that's sick and tired of feeling this way? Yeah. Mm. Okay. What do you want to say? What do you want to say to dad in this situation sometimes it might be actually you know what do you want to say to particular you know modes you might yeah. want to get angry at a a, a a parent mode per se and if they're a little too meek you know yeah. you're like right let's turn it up 10 percent. let's turn, yeah. turn up 20 percent. let's Absolutely. role play let's be dramatic yeah yeah and then for our more sort of overcompensators we do the same thing but we're like okay you want to kill dad like let's turn that down 30 percent. like you know let, let's kind of you know, some little bit of control over it. It's not to say that you need to shut down your anger because there's yeah, something there, right? That's absolutely. Interesting, but let's well, turn yeah. it down. So um, have you got any particular kind of angles on maybe working on an angry child in session with you? So someone's pissed off or angry and irritated because, they, you know, they've they had some... Yeah, I mean, I, I, my own experience is, is to go to attunement. Um, you really and go with where they're at. So I, I try not to force, particularly in the beginning, any, you know, moving them towards vulnerability or whatever it might be, but just sort of staying with where they're at and exploring how they're feeling um, and attuning to to their own, you know, their internal reality as best I yeah. can. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, and I think this can be applied across the board whenever feelings are in the room. So mm. um, what, one of the things that we developed um, for the book and, and also for um, – you know, one of the chapters we just did on attunement is a sort of stepped process in attunement, which starts with um, focusing on a, on a very specific snippet of uh, the trigger. You know, what, what, what is it that really did it for you? You know, okay, you're feeling angry right now. What is it that really got you rolled up? You know, what was the moment even? That particular moment, usually, usually we, can, we can drill it down. There may be a lot of things going on, but usually we can drill it down when they really lose it that there was something in the environment, there's something that really did it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, what was it? Was it the look in their face? Was it the words they use? Was it the fact that no one was there, like that you're all alone? Like what was the thing that really triggered off the feelings? And that usually starts to get some understanding of the, of the, of the context. Uh, the next step, of course, then drilling down into the specific emotional reaction. So, and, and what exactly is the feeling? Can we describe that? Can we, where do you feel that in your body? You know, how does it show up in your body um, in terms of sensations and whatnot? And then the third step being then starting to drill down into meaning, you know, and okay, so I can see that you're angry in this situation, you know, and I could easily maybe kind of guess what's going on for you, but I don't want to do that. I want to understand what it's really like for you. 
So can we? Can you tell me? You know what it meant for you when you were treated that way, or when you you know fact that you're alone or whatever. I mean, what did that mean for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and go, it's playing around that meaning space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I usually find going in there with that stuff yeah. and actually really understanding it as best we can. Because yeah. the um, idea of sitting with your hands, you know, sitting on your hands, you know, yeah. being able to be with the client rather than do two in these sort of moments. Yeah. yeah. And then, the co- you know, if we're drilling down in, into the steps, the next step being sharing that, that back, that understanding back to them. Say, look, you know, from what I'm hearing is that, you know, the, the kind of reason why you're feeling so angry is because it really set off that kind of sense of not being good enough for you, that, that nothing you ever do is quite good enough or whatever it might be. Yeah, so starting yeah. to um, reflect back your understanding to see if you can't get some resonance from, from the patient as to like what it's all about. So, yeah. I mean, that process of attunement is pretty important. Mm. Um, and the fifth step being eventually once you do get that resonance and, and the patient's saying, you have that moment of saying, yes, 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 you've got it now. You're getting it. Yeah. You're to really yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is starting to bring in a bit more like empathic statements, you know, usually something along the lines of, you know, uh, communicating, you know, how hard it must be for them, you know, to have to go through that again and, yeah. Um, even throwing in a little bit of historical linking and stuff like yeah. that. So, and linking you know, to modes, I guess, in that sense as well, like, you know, being able to kind yeah. of talk a bit of mode talk, but you can't really do the mode sort of the talk and, and, and moding things out and mode work until you've got past that attunement and that sense yeah. of, you know, yeah, absolutely. So that's a really good step. And I just find takes a bit of the punch out of the anger. I mean, anger's still around, but, but anger's feeling understood now. Yeah. Um, and, and then linking and thinking about what do we want to do next in the session? So. Yeah. Oftentimes that yeah. will mean um, going with the themes, whether it's mm. abandonment or defectiveness yeah. or whatever, whatever drive the anger, going with those themes and then maybe suggesting whether it's some imagery work or some chair work or whatnot. Now, there's um, a couple of things in there that, that in terms of like, sometimes people are in angry child mode in session as well, you know, when they're angry at you. Right. And right. This is a different thing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a slightly different thing. So, you know, when, you, when you're in an angry child state in session, um, you know, maybe one thing I might be thinking as well is I so agree with what you're saying in terms of the attunement and slowing things down and getting what's happening, you know, in, in situations mm, that might be mm. outside of the room, I think. But, when but if they're really on the you, pump at you, if they're sort of you. like firing off at you and I'm yeah. pissed off with Chris because of this and you're mm. not there and yeah, stuff, I mean, what are you thinking, Chris? What are you well, doing in that situation? I mean, I think that the only, really, it's a it's similar sort of process to what you're talking about, but just to, uh, the, first, the first thing, you know, you know, is to kind of sit on your hands and vent, you know, and I guess you're angry, you're angry, what else are you angry about? Um, okay, so you're angry at that. Okay, so number one, you're angry at this. Okay, what well, number two, you're angry at that. Okay, and you're angry at that you can get you know, here, yeah, a parking spot here. Okay, so you're angry about that too. You know, this venting process, you know, is is something that's really important because um, it's allowing them to sort of flesh out this. What I often find, and I hear it from listening to tapes as well, is you get these really choppy sessions where people, therapists, you know, they're, they're, you know, we we all kind of want the best and want to help. And the empathy and the attunement sometimes and care can kind of put out the anger and that pops up and it pops up, you know, so another 20, five minutes, three minutes later, it pops up again. And they say, and I'm also pissed off because of this thing that happened at work. Yeah. And, and, and you, you have to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Deal with that. So it's so. the idea of ventilation, you know, yeah. in that situation when it's really explosive is allowing some moments to, to fully ventilate and yeah. list out you know, the range yeah. of issues that, that might have been triggering things off. Yeah. So if it's anger outside of the session, you know, it's the attunement, it's getting it. I just want to get it. 
you know, you know, maybe start to kind of empathize and validate, look at modes. But if it's in session, you know, I guess sitting. And maybe directed at us or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. More of that ventilation idea before going into attunement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other idea of that is, you know, if you're going in too quickly with the, the with the sort of particularly the um, empathizing part, you're very likely to shut down the anger very quickly. Yeah. If you, you apply yeah. empathy very quick, you know, early on, you're going to shut it down. So it, exactly. Yeah. You know, and we want to, we want our patients to get the idea that it's okay to express and to talk about the yeah. issues that might anger them. We don't want, want to give them the idea that this is a bad thing or yeah. we need to close off anger too quickly. Yeah. Because then they don't okay. learn to regulate it, you know. Totally, totally. So it's, you know, anger's okay, but it's just let's work a way where you don't take it out and lose it and do something that you don't want to do. Yeah, we want them to break that sort of connection. I mean, a lot of cluster B patients have this relation with anger where I have the anger and it just has to come out in aggressive ways and, and yeah. breaking that connection and getting to see that I can, I can express my angry feelings and my ne- and the needs underpinning that. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to turn into me throwing chairs around or whatnot. Yeah. The other thing we haven't really talked about, so I guess we've talked about dealing with angry child sort of states, but, you know, um, dealing with sort of a lot of the overcompensation states in schema therapy, bullying attack, aggrandizer, angry protector type of states. Yeah. You know, working with with these. So, you know, at least if I'm kind of working with someone in this sort of state, first thing I want to do is maybe kind of, you know, uh, identify that and help them to kind of see that there is a side of them as a part of them that's the the tough guy and the angry tough guy. Yeah. I'm and feeling pretty pushed away right now or pretty, yeah. you know, attacked or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think one thing would be also to start looking a bit about maybe motivators or, you know, is this kind of side working for you? You know, this this level of anger or all this, you know, how does that fit with their ultimate treatment goals? If you do yep. this, you get angry like this and you do these things to me, then you're going to be doing it to other people and you're probably doing it to your kids and you want to see your kids. This sort of right, stuff. Right, right. Yeah, or you came in because, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you can't get relationships to stick. You yeah, know, whatever. Absolutely. And how does yeah. how does what's playing out here in our relationship, how does that relate to why you're coming in? Yeah. So you know, think, it's amazing how often that really hits, like as in, yeah. you know, the thing that they're actually coming in for really, really plays out in, in the yeah. relationship with the therapist. So, you know, therapeutic hook is the big thing. You know, Wendy Bahari speaks a lot about the therapeutic hook with her work with narcissism. And I think it would go, I, my, my take would be, it would be pretty important for that to be with all the overcompensator, anger styles. You know, so thinking about, you know, if you do that, your kids won't want to speak to you, you want to see your kids. You, you Yeah. Isn't it interesting, like as you work through that anger like that, like so we're addressing the anger, we're understanding it, but then with the therapeutic hook, we're actually then reconnecting it back to the vulnerability. Yeah. You yeah know, but, but this matters to you too, because yeah, when right. it's like this, you know, this is the reality for you that, you know, you end up missing out or you're painted as yeah. the bad guy or you're left all alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and what about, I mean, you know, in terms of um, one thing that we haven't really talked too much about is, um, Anger in the context of, uh, of, of, you know, critic or, you know, parent-type modes, you mm. know. Um, you know, I mean, it, it can be uh, an issue where people are taking out stuff on themselves, have enraged at themselves for maybe making yeah. errors or mistakes and these sorts of things. 
Um, what do you what do you make of that? Well, actually, one of the things um, I always say now, if people say, "Oh, like if you ask them how they felt in a given situation," and they say, oh, "I felt angry," one of the questions I almost always ask now is, "Who were you angry at?" Yeah, because yeah. um, that's just one of those things too. It's going to very quickly tell you: is this obviously if they're angry at themselves, it's likely to be more in the critic space. Yeah, yeah, um, and angry at others, then it's more in the coping maybe or angry child space. Yeah, so that's yeah. a good question. Um, but yeah, you know, that's another mode, isn't it? That people can often feel very angry and frustrated with themselves when they're, when they're, you know, in that critic space. Yeah. 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 So again, with that, I guess, it, you know, my view would be to sort of highlight that there's a side of them that is punishing at themselves. They're angry at themselves. Mm. Look at origins of that, help to get mm. a greater sense of diffusion, maybe doing some yeah. share work the angry side that's angry at you for doing x y z and being this way and maybe you know highlighting that you know ego dystonic separateness yeah you know, trying to yeah 100 i always up. find this with a critic yeah. um the, the more i do this ch- sort of chair work and stuff with the critic um the more i sort of really have noticed that um you know healthy individuals it's not necessarily the case that they don't have any critic message you know it's yeah. not like healthy individuals are walking around and they never have a thought like, you know, gee, you're not good enough or this isn't good enough or that kind of thing. You know, what more often happens though is that they ha- they kind of hear that voice, but they're they're more they're much more distant from it, diffused yeah. from it. Yeah, they right. just kind of notice it as an import, but they aren't it. Like they yeah, aren't that yeah. voice. And what yeah, you see absolutely. with the patients is that you know those that are really stuck with the critic is they mm. they really endorse it and actually kind of become that mode. They're sort of like, yeah, absolutely, it's true. Yeah. I am a piece of crap. Like when you yeah. if you sort of ask them about those thoughts, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, what yeah. you kind of see in healthier individuals, and I think the goal of what we try to do is, as you say, externalize that, diffuse yeah. from it, yep. get it on a chair and sort of ventilating and get them, getting them to see how, how sort of problematic it is to, to yeah. fully hold that view, you yeah. know, and it's fine to sort of step back and be able to notice more about what that side is like and then voice. But yeah. yeah. So, so it really is the step one. You can't sort of challenge a critic or step, you know, set boundaries and limits on it if, if it's not distanced and diffused. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of step one. Yeah. And I guess that, you know, you can get sort of almost quasi dissociative states where someone's you know, literally in that state where they're, you know, taking it out of themselves. They're doing extreme behaviors, self-harm behaviors and this sort of stuff because they're in that angry, punitive state and yeah. you know, being able to kind of work with that and see it as separate, you know, is... Yeah, Chris. So, I mean, one thing that I wanted to say too is how cool it was today in thinking about the case, you know, the McEnroe behavior. In, in just going back and forth a little bit and stepping back and thinking about, you know, what mode this could be. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting that we didn't, like it took a little bit of thought. And mm. I know it's only a three or five second clip, but it wasn't like we were going bang, there's angry child or bang, there's bullying attack or something. But yeah. it was more like a bit of a process of reflection and back and yeah. forth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy. I think sometimes when you're learning the model and you're like, you know, you, you're just learning the terminology but, you know, one thing that it's always took from me from doing some training in the past and what I kind of passed through in our training, you know, is, is, is one thing is kind of having these four steps to work out modes is one is mm. the content. So what are they actually saying to you? You can't yeah. be serious. Okay. Yeah. Transcribing that. What's the tone? So he's obviously quite angry. What's the, you know, the counter transference, the, sl- the process reaction? And actually, yeah. you know, the fourth bit is, is what they actually do and what's the body language and this sort of stuff. And they can kind of give you a bit of guidance with that. But even with yeah. those things, you know, you 
you find it hard sometimes. And, you know, one of my old colleagues used to always sort of go on about what's the function of the behavior, you know? Yeah. You know, that, 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 but yeah, I mean, hopefully we put that out there that, I mean, in, in sort of bouncing things back and forth and continuing to look at all the bits of information mm. available and think, you know, holding function in mind, we yeah. kind of arrived at something that starts to feel pretty tight. And yeah. I guess the other part of this, often we do this alone, you know, most of the time, of course, we're just doing it clinically and sort of Absolutely. we have a bit of back and forth. Sometimes we kind of, we, we don't arrive at it properly until two, three sessions on the track. We, we end up thinking, yeah. ah, no, this is, this yeah. is actually, you know, angry protector. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about as bullying attack. So that's yeah. okay. And I hope we were able to model that today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think people do kind of really interesting things in really interesting situations, you know, and I think, you know, with all these modes that we're talking about, you know, sometimes it just takes a little time for you to formulate. It's not like a one-session formulation process. It's just something that kind of is a little bit more organic and takes a bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed today bouncing ideas off you around issues to do with angry child. You know, I look forward to doing. We we'll do another one. You know, down the I track. I enjoyed hanging out too, Rob. Yeah, was, we always do. You're yeah, a good guy, do. Chris. Thank you too, um, man. You too. Um, not, not, not too much angry child from uh, either of us in today. Lots of healthy adult and happy child, hopefully. Good. Bring it on. Well, look, we've really enjoyed doing this um, podcast. And, you know, going forward, we, we'd be interested to hear from you and getting a sense, you know, what, what, do, what do people need? We, we're happy to maybe have a chat, talk a little bit about how we see things. We are looking forward to maybe interviewing and, and having a chat with some other sort of more specific um you know, presenters and people that have particular interest in schema therapy. But um, if you need to contact us, you can um, email us at emails us at uh, info at schematherapytraining.com. I mean, we'd love to hear from from people. If you if you guys have any ideas about either sort of topics related to schema therapy or specific issues we could maybe discuss, something that might be interesting to, to, to you out there, um, we'd be happy to look at, at maybe um, addressing that in, in future podcasts. So until then, we will see you soon in podcast land. Thank you. Thank you.